Welcome to No BS Engineering, the podcast for developers around the world who care about their careers. Join us as we share ideas, war stories, and talk with special guests about how developers can up their game and move their career forward. Hi, and welcome to No BS Engineering. My name is Cal Evans, and along with my friend, Mr. Mario Peshev, we are the hosts of this podcast. Say hi to everybody, Mario. Howdy, how's everyone doing? Hey, he's coherent. Mark, uh, uh, Mario is um, jet lagged, severely jet lagged. So um, if he goes incoherent, just ignore him. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Hey, um, all kidding aside, uh, I've been wanting to do this episode ever since uh, Mario and I started the, the podcast. Um, burnout is a serious problem in our industry. And so we're going to talk about burnout. And I've invited two of my friends, Mr. Joe Ferguson and Mr. Adam Culp. Say hi to everybody, guys. Hey. And they're going to tell us their stories. And we're going to start with um, Adam. Now, this is a two-part episode, so you've got to listen to both parts. But um, we're going to start with Adam. Um, and without any further ado, Adam, launch in and tell us your story. So, um, you know, of course, I, uh, down here in South Florida, I do a lot of things, right? I have a user group. I, have a, I run a conference. Uh, at one point, I ran another conference, which was another major conference, and, uh, and worked as a consultant dealing with many Fortune 100 companies and, uh, you know, under a lot of demand. And, uh, and now, now I've changed jobs. I'm doing something that is equally as demanding <laughs> and, um, and, and having a lot of fun with that. So that's, uh, that's, that's where I am right now. Um, so I'm looking. Oh, there we go. Um, no, but talk to us about i know um back in the day you used to do a lot more and um you and i have had this discussion maybe we should have had this uh, recorded this podcast in the evening where um we could have both have a scotch because usually um our conversations involve a, a nice bottle of scotch while we're discussing this but um talk to us about um your experience with burnout how you um you know because you you had a, a pretty dramatic experience yeah, so, I mean, burnout is one of those things that kind of catches you by surprise. It's not something you realize it's act actually happening. Um, you know, it just, uh, one day you just kind of wake up and you say, oh, you know what, I just don't feel like doing anything. I just, uh -huh. you know, and, uh, you know, nobody really appreciates what I do. Everybody hates on me and, and everything else. And even the smallest little response from, from on social media from somebody can really, can really set you off and, and make you feel like everything you're doing is just a waste of time. And, and, and like I said, it can really blindside you that way because when, when it does, I mean, it, take, it drops you fast, right? Uh, it's one of those things that once you reach that threshold, Mm -hmm. it's not a gradual drop. It drops you like a hot rock. I mean, uh, and you, you're just like, okay, I'm done. Um, I mean, there, there were points where I was ready to just stop doing Sunshine PHP, stop doing the user group, stop going to conferences and speaking. I speak at 10 to 15 conferences a year. Yeah. Um, I mean, now, now keep in mind, I, I, I do more than a lot of people do. And, and that's by design. I do it because I love doing it because I like staying busy mm -hmm. and, but at one point it was like, okay, I just, I just want to stop it all. I don't want to do it anymore um, because it's, you know, I, I'm not being appreciated, uh, you know, and, and everything else. Of course, it was just the way I was looking at it. Uh, you know, I mean, I, I realize there's a lot of people out there who do, do appreciate what I do. Um, I mean, I started Beachcast and I'm already inching up on a thousand subscribers, you know, in the first eight months. So obviously people enjoy some of the things that I'm doing. 
And, uh, you know, and I, because of that, I keep doing more, but, but again, to the burnout point, and it is, is something that you, I've learned how to deal with it in a little bit different way. Um, so I'm being a lot more strategic in what I'm doing. But that being said, the, the burnout itself, it really blindsided me at first. And I was like, wow, this is, this is so terrible. Everything's terrible. Nothing's good. <laughs> yeah, I, I know what you mean. I, uh, I get to the point. I used to deal with burnout a lot differently. Um, these days, I just don't push myself as hard as I used to. But um, back in the day, when my kids were small and I was working a full-time job and um, trying to do a little side hustle, um, I, I would go for six months, seven months at a time and um, work really hard. I'd get my little side hustle project was making me some money and I'd get a, a new version out the door. And then I would not sit down at the computer for three months. And I, I just, I, I couldn't do it anymore. Um, you know, I, I, I used to, tell people that I just didn't feel inspired. Now looking back, I was just burnt out. I, I couldn't do it anymore. And I'd go work in the yard. Um, I'm, those who know me uh, know I don't, I don't do yard work. I, I, I can't stand that. But um, I would actually go and work in the yard and work on our yard and um, play with the kids and stuff like that um, to to, to, to relieve the stress because it was just, you know, those, especially those last couple of um, those last couple of weeks when you're pushing to get something out and that's tough. And um, then I just have to decompress these days. I've wised up, you know? Yeah. I still got a side hustle or two, but um, I don't push myself nearly as hard and I don't push myself as hard as you do. Um, I I took most of this year off from speaking. Um, I, I spoke at, um, just PHP back in February. And I didn't speak again until I think until um, last week at um, the Miami WordPress user group. I mean, literally just took time off because I, I, I just did not, I didn't need the pressure at that point. And I was going through some, going through some stuff. And I said, you know, this is something I can cut out of my life and, and not worry about it. Joe, how do you, how do you deal with it? A lot of it, like like Adam said, it's it's all about it. Just kind of catching up with you and sneaking up on you and just taking you by surprise. Um, a lot of the a lot of the manage you know the stress management issues that I've had dealing with burnout have usually just been solved by walking away from the computer, walking away from the scenario, the the group of people, the uh, the thing, one of the thing, one of the many things that I've committed to, just being able to step away and walk away uh, has been the biggest uh, impact for me when I've, when I'm realizing that I'm starting to burn out. Uh, my problem early on was I wasn't realizing that I was burning out. I just felt tired all the time yeah. and uh, it didn't feel like burnout. It didn't feel like, you know, I, I always had something to do. So I was always doing something. Yeah. Well, and like Adam said, it sneaks up on you and it will slap you. Um, you know, all of a sudden one day it's there. Mario, you're one of the more successful business people that I know. Uh, um, and I know you've got to have put in long hours. Um, talk to us about how, how you deal with it. Yeah, well, thanks, Kyle. So um, I've, I've gone through several different burnout cycles. Uh, one of the more impactful ones were... Uh, running my technical startup, and essentially at some point in time, I had to I had to step in and do only management work for the most part, uh, simply because I was not capable of writing any code whatsoever. 
And this lasted almost five months, if I recall correctly. Um, this was after a pretty tough uh, psychological cycle, which was also wrapped up with, uh, you know, immunity drop down. Uh, essentially, I was sick for two weeks and then I couldn't really recover for, again, almost five months. And I was just trying to offload as much as I can. And, and literally, I didn't want to see code whatsoever. I was just, yeah, I can help you think through this, but I I. I cannot comprehend what you're writing right now. Um, and it, it definitely is something that most people don't see until it's too late, as pretty much everyone has already mentioned. And one of the other aspects that I, uh, like while thinking through this, one of the other aspects that I've uh, analyzed for myself is that oftentimes it really adds up when you deal with other problems outside of work. And what I've noticed most of the time, because now, aside from my own experience, I'm also analyzing people in the team who are going through, you know, different stages of burnout or just, just uh, total breakdowns of any sorts. For the most part, work is definitely piling up, but people who only deal with work problems for, again, I'd say 90% of the time, uh, they can handle it one way or another, or they can take a break or something like that. It's really hard to recharge if you have other stuff on your plate at the same time. Hmm marriage problems, kids keeping you awake at night, uh, parent, sick parents or other types of issues piling up, maybe being unable to make rent for whatever reason, your car broke and, and so on. Those things are piling up and making things even worse. And that's something that most people, you know, they, they can't say, okay, aside from being overworked at work, when I go home, it doesn't get any easier. So I basically have no uh, downtime time whatsoever. Yeah, absolutely. You, you, you hit the nail on the head. If you're in the middle of this, it's hard to, um, to get out. You've got to get some stuff um, off your plate uh, before you can start relieving it. Adam, let's circle back around to you. Yeah, so I wanted to mention one thing too is this isn't always just about tech, right? It's not always it, just because you're a programmer, just because you're doing some sort of technology thing. It, I mean, burnout is not just tech right? Yeah. Burnout is pretty much anything in our lives. It's everything in our lives. I mean, uh, when, when I first experienced burnout, it was long before I was even a programmer. Um, I had my own business. I, I had a, a business where we sold, uh, you know, air filtration units and things like that. I had from any given time, I had uh, 20, 30 employees under me. It was a small business by any means, but at the same time, 20 to 30 employees, and I'm the only person running the show was quite, quite large. Yeah. And, um, and we were doing a lot of volume for being such a small shop in, in Ohio. And I mean, I was, I was smoking two packs of cigarettes a day because I smoked at that time. I was drinking two to three pots of coffee a day because it was just wow. there. And, um, and, you know, that and managing to do everything that I do. And from early on, I've always kept myself busy. I've always been, you know, always doing something, always moving forward. Well, one evening after everything had closed down, everybody's home, the, the business is closed. By the way, I was living in the business at that time mm. because I was working so much that I didn't need a place to live, right? I didn't, didn't have a family. I was divorced by, you know, and, and, uh, and everything was my business. And so I literally lived in the business. So there I was. I just walked up to the front of the building, which was where I set up my, my living space. And I'm, I'm, I'm sitting on the couch watching a TV show. And I started feeling a pain in my chest. I started feeling like this big, empty, warm, watery hole right in the center of my chest. And then after that, it was pain. And I found myself in the hospital. 
Oh, wow. And uh, so because I was worried, I was like, this isn't right. This isn't what I, you know, this isn't normal by any means. So I went into the hospital. Turned out it was just an anxiety attack. It was my first anxiety attack. And, and I mean, I've had many over the years because once you hit that threshold, once your body hits the threshold for anxiety attacks, mm-hmm. you will have them the rest of your life. It is just a fact. You are not going to get rid of it. So I encourage anybody who has not experienced that, slow down. Don't get to that point because once you get to that point, there is no turning back. Um, Now, you might be able to control them. You might be able to swallow them down or you might be able to do some things to relax and make it so that you have them less, but you will still have them. (laughs) So, so please, anybody who hasn't experienced that, please don't slow down now and, uh, and, and treat your body better. But that being said, so I went through that that one day. And then, you know, the, and meanwhile, my business was starting to go down, right? We'd already, we've already, had already saturated the area where we were. It was a small town of 5,000 people. How much can you possibly sell for a prolonged time period, right? <laughs> and, um, and the thing is, is the business was going down. I was getting to the point where my, I was having to apologize to my employees because I wasn't able to pay their paychecks. Mm. Um, and they were very forgiving. They were very supportive. Um, I mean, I did pay them. Everybody's paid. I didn't leave anybody hanging, but it was a very tough time period. And, and again, that, that stress just pushed me over the edge. Um, I, I found myself in the hospital three or four more times over the next two to three weeks with similar anxiety attacks. And, and finally, the, you know, one day when I was sitting there, there was a nurse in the emergency room and she, she came up and she said, you know what? I've seen you in here a couple of times. I said, yeah. So she started asking me some questions and and, uh, you know, and, and she asked me about my smoking habits. She asked me about the coffee and about my work and everything else. And she looked at me and, and she quite frankly said, do you think God intended you to do that to your body? Wow. And any of that. And, you know, I, I grew up, I grew, I grew up with a Christian, uh, you know, upbringing, but the same, but the thing is, is when I became an adult, I kind of, I kind of moved away from that, but the word still carried impact for me. Mm-hmm. And, you know, but, and that was it. That was, I changed my life right that very moment based on that nurse saying that one profound statement. Um, I stopped drinking coffee. I stopped smoking cigarettes, which of course, both of those, you know, I ended up in the hospital two more times because I threw myself into uh, problems because of the nicotine withdrawal and because of the caffeine withdrawal. I mean, I, I could sit on my couch and watch a TV show and my chest was just spasming because it wanted the nicotine. Uh, it, it's, it's a horrible addiction, uh, yeah. but I've never done it since. And, but the thing is, is that, that kind of changed it for me. Now, I, you know, I learned through that process, and it's a very powerful story. But the thing is, is uh, I had some other things happen. I, I did relax. I did get a, a different job. I got a more relaxing job. And, and, but I still, I still was up, you know, running at peak performance. I mean, I, I got a job as a district manager in, in a cabinetry company in, in Ohio and uh, where I had four or five stores that I was in charge of. And basically I spent one day in each store and, and merchandised and, and pulled the boxes to the front of the shelf and stuff like that. It was a very relaxing job, but still rewarding. And um, I moved my way up to area manager where I had five district managers under me, each with five stores. And then, uh, you know, and then I became a regional manager, which had 23 uh, district managers under me. And so I worked my way back into that, right? So here I was, I was in a relaxing place and I worked my way back into it because it's just my nature. 
And uh, so here I was in, in, I was the regional manager of the Midwest and I got the, got the store or got the, the area to the position where I was creating my own reporting because the company didn't have any sales reporting. And then I automated that. And then they said, how would you like to move to West Palm beach and do that for everybody? So that was my introduction to programming. But, um, and I've been a programmer ever since. But the thing is, is, uh, you know, I got into a situation where I was still, uh, you know, I was still in a situation where I was high anxiety, um, high stress. And then when 9-11 happened, I lost that job and I found myself without a job. And I found myself also not having any credentials that I could tell somebody, hey, I'm a programmer or hey, I'm a network administrator or anything else. And I wasn't able to get a job. So I went and got my, uh, my Microsoft certifications for network and DBA and programming and, uh, at the, at the, because the state of Florida supported that. And then I got into programming, but there for a year, I wasn't employed. I was unemployed for a year as I did that training and things. And I had no income other than the side hustles that I was managing to do at the time. And, and that kind of pushed me even harder, right? Things like that can definitely change the way you look at things. I was like, okay, I have no job for a whole year. I need to never do that again. So then, then I, you know, I started programming. I started side hustles. I created multiple companies on the side. Uh, you know, the user group kind of helps with that uh, because it's name recognition and branding. All the things I do for branding from my Twitter account to Beachcast to everything else is, is all kind of stemmed from that. It was 9-11 leaving me unemployed for a year that prompted me to do as much as I do yeah. whether it's healthy or not <laughs> but uh, but again it all carries it all carries uh, it all carries uh, baggage with it <laughs> yeah see it's really hard for me to imagine you um, like that because uh, we met probably 2007 2008 was the first time uh, we yeah. met I think we met at ZenCon or we met at a conference or one Whatever, of the conferences yeah. And, um, you know, even by that time, you were a lean, mean running machine. So I, I really cannot imagine you standing there with a cigarette in your mouth. You know, it just, yeah. it, you know, um, it, you know I, I can imagine myself like that, but, uh, but not you. <laughs> so yeah. And, and that, hair, hair almost down to my shoulders as well, by the way. Yeah, so and I even had hair here. here. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, that, yeah. It, it just kind of snuck up on you. And, um, and you, you, you touched on an interesting point in that it's not always things that we do that bring burnout. Um, you know, life intervenes. 9-11 hit a lot of us. We're recording this on the 18th anniversary of 9-11. And 9-11 um, hit a lot of us. Uh, the company I was working for, our headquarters were in the second tower. And um, so, you know, we, I, it was a stressful time for, for all of us. And um, you've got to learn coping mechanisms and um, you've got to learn to, number one, identify it. Knowing is cool. Sharing knowledge is even cooler. In my book, Uncle Cal's Career Advice for Developers, I share with you five of the most important pieces of career advice I've learned. Get your copy today by pointing a browser at bit.ly slash Uncle Cal. I want to share this knowledge with you. Now, Mario, I want to flip back over to you because we talk a lot about burnout and I'm a firm believer in you take care of yourself first because um, they teach us in scuba diving 
you can't help somebody else if you're not in a stable condition. So if you're trying to rescue somebody else and you're not, you know, your BC's not inflated or you don't have the proper equipment, you're not going to be able to help that person. So you take care of yourself first. But Mario, you manage a lot of developers. You got a lot of people working for you. Uh, what, what steps do you and your organization take to, to identify burnout and, you know, head it off at the pass because, you know, the, the, that's what good management does. Yeah, so um, I, I'm sorry, I got touched by Adam's story and it just sparked tons of ideas in my head. And, and it's essentially when we are actually recording on 9-11, if you think of it, mm-hmm. uh, which is kind of making it even that much more powerful. Uh, but yeah, on, uh, back, to, back to your question, Kyle. Um, what, and, and back to scuba diving as well, I'm going to take another side note. But um, if you... If you think of it, even if you uh, get on an airplane, uh, most of the safety procedures say, in case of an emergency, put your own mask first and then help everyone else around you. And this is something that makes quite a lot of sense if you think of it, right? Uh, and I've, I've never been, you know, uh, a selfish person that's saying, you know, I should be first before ever, everyone else and so forth. But, but indeed, like if you don't feel well, uh, if you have any sort of problems, be it physical or psychological or anything like that, you won't be in a position to help other people, right? And that's kind of one of the, one of the reasons I actually switched from freelancing to actually forming a company because I said, well, I want to be able to do more. I want to uh, have more impact, but in order to do that, I just need a team. And I will need to make sure to build a team that is uh, capable of working within an organization as a team capable of collaborating within that uh, team itself in order to to make things work better. So in order to do that, of course, uh, the entire process starts starts with hiring first. Uh, We try really hard, first off, to find people who fit the culture because, as I said a bit earlier, uh, other problems aside from work itself are often contributing to... to, um, to, to the entire burnout scenario, right? Uh, you just feel bad at work. You have people who are, you know, trying to backstab you. You have people talking behind your back. This whole toxic culture is also contributing to this. Also being hired on a position that's really uh, below your skill set may be extremely demotivating as well. Uh, and I actually had that, like once I worked a job that I spent like over a week trying to under negotiate my salary because I didn't feel like deserving it. I said, no, like, is there any way to drop it by 20% or so? Because I would be more comfortable having a little bit more time getting up to speed and, and catching up on everything else than taking a solid paycheck and just not feeling like I deserve it. And it was something that really impacted me as well. So uh, what we try to start with is recruitment first. We try to find the, the right people for our culture first so that they feel well and the rest of the team feels well. Uh, then we try to measure, you know, performers and efficiency and everything else uh, pretty much on a weekly level in order to see where we stand. Then we do have an HR person who's, uh, you know, continuously chatting with folks, seeing how they feel, how they perform and so forth. Uh, we don't monitor, you know, check in, check out. Uh, but we pay attention when someone's late with like two hours and say, hey, is everything okay? Do you have, uh, you know, family trouble? Do you have, again, uh, problems with your car, with parents, with someone else? Like, is, is there anything you want to talk about? Um, so, again, it's a continuous cycle that actually goes through different stages in order to make sure that uh, we appreciate what people do. And, uh, like, kind of the last thing I'm going to say is 
in all honesty, we know that software engineering is a stressful job. Whatever you do, uh, be it maintenance or let's say fixed fee projects or a product that, you know, a product update may impact uh, hundreds of thousands of people or so. Uh, this is a stressful job. And sometimes we can't really let people to just slack around. And this is a harsh reality. But what we try to do is we really try to make them feel uh, appreciated for that. We say, you know, thanks a lot for the hard work really appreciate it, great job, we appreciate what you're doing here, and so forth. So it's more about the open and transparent communication channel. It's not about you're supposed to be uh, burning out and, and essentially working 80 hours a week all the time, but it's about uh, when it's tough at work, we are really appreciating you chiming in, and we are trying to work as hard as you are, and we are going to try to do whatever we can to, to go past that and take some countermeasures so it more or less it doesn't happen uh, that frequently. I'm not going to say ever again, but at least not going to happen that frequently. Yeah, it, it's a um, it's a hazard of our uh, our industry, and you know, as web developers, yeah, we we suffer some. Uh, I think game developers have have it a lot worse than we do. But um, but that's a that's a that's a story for another day. Hey, Joe, uh, we haven't heard from you. Um, you're part of Osme. Uh, talk to us a little bit about the resources that Osme makes available to developers. Yeah, so uh, Osme is open sourcing mental illness. It is a 501c3 nonprofit that I helped start uh, with Ed Finkler, who started speaking in 2013 about uh, his mental health issues, 2013, 2014. Um, as, uh, as Mario was talking about uh, burnout, it reminded me of one of the resources that Osme has. Uh, it's burnout.io which seems like a, a, a funny URL because uh, it's a very geeky tech URL for burnout, but it actually stemmed from a DevOps day, uh, which is a DevOps focused single day conference that happens, I believe on the same day all over the world. Uh, at one of the DevOps days in 2014, this uh, a lady did this talk and uh, it was essentially fighting burnout and steps and how to recognize that you're burning out uh, determining if it's a self-inflicted burnout. Is this something you're doing to yourself, which is kind of what I like to do to myself? Uh, is it external pressure? You know, is the job um, uh, being unreasonable? And it teaches you um, some coping mechanisms and, and, and some good uh, feedback to be able to say no to unreasonable requests. Or if you can't say no, say yes and something, you know, conditionalize what, you're, what is being asked of you. Uh, that sort of thing. So uh, that's one of the really great resources uh, that, that Osme has. Uh, essentially, the Osme resources are a collection of, of blog posts, articles, knowledge bases, forums, and uh, the handbooks that OSMI themselves have, have made to help people understand uh, rights and responsibilities here in the U.S. around ADA law and uh, some parts of Canada. Uh, and then some European countries have similar things, but uh, the OSME handbooks are specifically focused on the ADA law, which is essentially rights and responsibilities for you and your employer. Uh, but a lot of it doesn't really cover burnout per se. So that's why burnout is kind of this mysterious thing. There's not a lot of people doing a lot of research in just burnout because burnout kind of manifests itself in so many different systems, so many different, or sorry, symptoms uh, such as depression, uh, anxiety, uh, and that sort of thing. And, and one, of the, one of my favorite things to, to tell people when I'm talking about uh, mental health is that all of us have anxiety. 
it's not just people who suffer from mental health issues, whether it's self self-diagnosed or professionally diagnosed, everybody has anxiety. Everybody is worried about something to some extent. The people who have anxiety issues are those with the conditions where it is unreasonable or it is unmanageable by themselves to where they're having panic attacks, they're having anxiety attacks, uh, they're having issues where they can't even leave the house. That's just a very severe form of it. Um, all of this can be manifestations of burnout. And if you're, you're feeling any of these, I highly recommend do some reading. Um, if you're not ready to talk to a professional, that's fine. Um, you know, I, I don't like to send people to professionals right away because you kind of have to be in, you have to be ready to get help. You have to be ready to look for a solution. Even if that solution is just stop doing so much, you kind of have to come to that conclusion on your own and realize uh, on your own where that is taking you. And that what's unfortunate there is, especially in, in my own experience, that's really hard to be self-aware of really, yeah. really hard. So very cool. Adam, um, you, you had some tips about anxiety that you wanted to share as we wrap yeah, this one yeah. up. Kind of in line with what Joe is saying, right, is, uh, about anxiety. We all have it. You know, it's something that's uh, daily life is, is anxious. <laughs> um, but, you know, one of the things, another thing that happened when I was, I was going through some counseling after, after my severe breakdowns and when I started having anxiety attacks. And, and uh, you know, a, a therapist had told me at that time, he said, uh, he said, you know what, it's not what you're experiencing today that's causing these anxiety attacks. Because I was asking him, I was like, I was like, why am I having these anxiety attacks? I'm relaxed. I'm drinking herbal tea. And, um, and he says, well, it's not today that's causing this. He says, anxiety is something that builds up in your system over time. Your anxiety attack today was pr likely caused six months ago. But it took six months for your body, for it to catch up to your body and for your body to finally say, hey, I've had enough. You know, there are people and there are people who develop allergies late in life because their body has just had enough of a certain thing. And now they became uh, they become allergic to it. Anxiety mm -hmm. is exactly the same thing. It adds up over time. Um, I do have a couple of blog posts. I'll share the links with you, Cal, so you can put them in show notes and stuff. But uh, I have a couple of blog posts on geekyboy.com that have uh, that that I've had thousands and thousands of people view these things every week. I had one post that uh, shut down my website for a solid month, just time after time. I, I had it scaled out at one point to 12 different servers to, to, to accommodate the, the load because it was just, uh, it was about depression. It was about anxiety. It was about wow. dealing with anxiety. And, and so obviously it, it, it hit a nerve and, um, Anyway, a couple of posts, I'll share the links to them. But, but the, the key thing is, is if you don't have anxiety today, uh, and again, I'm not a doctor, I'm not giving you health advice, please don't take this as health advice, just take this as cautionary advice. Mm -hmm. If you don't have any anxiety issues, just look at what you're doing on a daily basis, because again, it wears, down, it wears you down. It's, uh, you know, six months from now that you start uh, experiencing deep anxiety issues, uh, based on something, it might six months is not an exact number, right? It's uh, it's whenever your body reaches that point, but typically it's not same day type stuff. <laughs> it's yeah. uh, it just it just it compiles over time. So I just wanted to give that cautionary word of advice to folks that say, well, you know, I'm okay. I work uh, I work really hard. I do all these things, and I don't have any issues. Well, you don't today. That doesn't mean you won't a month from now, you know, a week from now, a month from now, six months from now. It it does catch up to you. Yeah. Yeah, most definitely. 
Well, Adam, thanks a lot for uh, sharing your story with listeners. Discussing mental health in public is really tough, and you know, given the social pressure out there and everything everyone is dealing with, uh, you know, sharing veteran stories is invaluable for younger folks and those who are currently going through a similar burnout cycle just now. Um, and yeah, I mean, thanks once again. Uh, we would need to wrap up for now, though, but I'm sure that everyone would take the time to process and extract the essential thoughts and bits and pieces from this conversation and try to apply them in their own work processes and everything else is going to in their own lives. Uh, for everyone eager to learn more, we are about to record another episode and another part on mental health, which is going to be out next week. In the meantime, uh, also make sure you follow No BS Engineering on YouTube, on Spotify, on wherever else we are at iTunes, Music, and Stitcher, and all the other podcasting platforms that you're probably listening. Uh, rate and review. This is really important simply because we really need to know how we're doing. If uh, you do enjoy the format, the land, uh, sound quality, or video, do you prefer video or audio, pretty much everything else. We're always looking for new topics to discuss, and your feedback is invaluable in determining the problems that you're dealing with at work or new skills that you want to develop or improve on a personal level. Uh, and again, once again, thanks, Adam, for sharing your story. It's truly appreciated. And I'm pretty sure that listeners can also reach out to you. Uh, do you want to wrap up with uh, how can everyone reach out to you? Sure. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm available all over the place as Adam Culp. Um, there, there is actually quite a, no, a, a, a kicker at the Michigan State University who's also Adam Culp, and he gives, he's given me some competition on social media and stuff. But that being said, I am the only Adam Culp with the first name, last names ran together. Um, <laughs> and, uh, but yeah, so find me at Adam Culp on Twitter. Um, you go to my blog at geekyboy.com. Please check out beachcasts.com to see some tech videos and things there. I do, I do quite a few videos and, uh, and enjoy everybody checking that out. Wonderful. Well, thanks again from us at NoBS Engineering. I'm Mario Peshev and my co-host, Kyle Evans. And uh, see you again next week. Bye-bye.